Here's the one-two. Swing and a miss there. Chris Matlock gets a strikeout when he needed it the most. Bites is recorded on location in Ozark, Missouri and presented on Anchor. The views expressed on Burger Bites are not necessarily those of the staff and ownership of the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Enjoy the show. Hello once again everybody, I'm Rance Burger. This episode is presented by Veet Relacing. You can't walk out on the baseball field with any old glove. It's got to be your glove. At Veet Relacing, Chandler Veet understands that your baseball glove is your baby, and it's one of the most important tools you carry in your bag. Whether you need a simple repair or a full restoration, trust your glove to Veet Relacing. Find it on Facebook by searching for V-E-I-T Relacing. When we left off on episode 57 with Chris Matlock, the side armor had finished up a successful high school career at Glendale in Springfield, Missouri. Matlock was a long way from being considered for the Major League Baseball draft. The unheralded side armor spent two years playing baseball at Longview Community College in Kansas City, kicked around a handful of offers, and ultimately landed in Warrensburg, home of the University of Central Missouri and the NCAA Division II Mules. Matlock studied finance and bullishly went on a meteoric tear through the competition. I was a junior. There was a bunch of seniors on that team. There was a lot of seniors when I was a junior. So I was trying to somewhat make a name for myself as the closer, because that's what the coach told me I was going to be. And I was like, well, okay, all right. So I have all these older kids saying, well, you have to do this, this, this. And I'm like, okay. But uh, yeah, we made it to the national championship. We went to the, the World Series that year and we played. I remember that, that game. I'll never forget that game. It was a 19 inning baseball game that got over at four o'clock in the morning. And I mean, it was, I think it ended up being like two to three or something like that, but I got put in at the eighth inning. I pitched till the 17th as a closer. So that was a, a lot different. Um, I wasn't used to that, but uh, that was a good, probably the most memorable game ever because it was a 19 inning baseball game. <laughs> but it was exhausting. I pitched 140 some pitches as a closer. Yeah, it was it was fun. But we ended up losing in the 19th inning off of I think we gave up a home run and then we couldn't get it back. So we lost that game. And we played Mount Olive, who actually went on to win. And we lost that game, unfortunately. So, but it was fun. Can't argue with that. So, you know, closers are usually max effort guys. Was there a point in that game where you started to realize, like, hey, I need to adjust what I'm doing because I'm going to be out here for a while? No, I mean, because you're just thinking we're gonna we're gonna get one run. So, I mean, I was 100, 110 percent every inning, and I think that's the only reason I didn't give up a run. Yeah, it was it was tough. I, I basically couldn't feel my arm the next day, <laughs> so it was it was worth it. You know, it's fun. I can't. I will never forget it for sure. <laughs> so then you got some some huge uh, accolades based off your time with the Mules. You know, you're you're an All American. You you know won awards from Dactronics. You know, yeah. How did you find out about some of that stuff? And like, when did that come in the chain of events? Was that all after the season had finished? 
I believe, oh man, you're talking decades ago. Let's see. <laughs> um, 2009. Sure. Sorry, I should have said that uh, earlier. Yeah, no, 2009. I think I found out about the All-American at the same, I think it was right after the World Series. And then I was named that the pitcher of the year. So that was, you know, there's only one of those. So I thought that was the coolest award ever. Uh, but yeah, I got named to that first team All-American and then that pitcher of the year. So that was fun. I think that's pretty much what put my name out there for the draft, which was good. We'll get to the draft in a minute, but I just want to share with you. So I actually found, I think it's your induction video to the University of Central Missouri Athletics Hall of Fame. And I was like, is that Chris Matlock? I mean, I had to go look up a roster and check numbers and make sure it was the same guy because like you've, you bulked up a lot yep. <laughs> in, in the 12 years that have passed, man. What, let's talk about your gym routine a little bit. I mean, what are the secrets to the body by Chris Matlock? Well, I know that as a pitcher, I, and it's sad because I always wanted to be a pitcher because I thought it was, I didn't have to run very much, but I found out that was the exact opposite. So the only thing I ever did when I was pitching in college was run. I mean, you run and run, you take a break and then you run some more. So I was 6'2", 170 pounds, maybe 175. I think my my roster said 178 and it was probably more like 169. <laughs> so I was, I was skinny, but uh, the endurance was there. I couldn't gain weight. I mean, I tried to eat. I, I couldn't gain weight. I was at the gym, but you know, they just make you run, run, run. So you run the muscle off. But now uh, I don't run. I just go to the gym about five times a week and eat. I mean, I eat basically crap. I eat McDonald's and Chinese food, but as long as you uh, put the effort in and, and lift and somewhat try and stay ahead of yourself. I mean, I, I put on about 70 pounds. I would say probably 50 pounds of muscle, 20 pounds of fat. So <laughs> it's, I've gotten a lot bigger and that's good. The skinny Chris Matlock had perhaps the single greatest pitching performance his team had ever seen. It was May 26, 2008. The setting was Sauge, Illinois. Yes, that Sauge, Illinois, which has been referred to several times in the nine months this show has existed. Grip and Rip greats Andy Galley, Harrison Waters, and Chris Matlock played some of their greatest baseball at GCS Credit Union Ballpark in the East St. Louis suburb of Sauge. I digress. Chris Matlock and the UCM Mules were playing a team of Californians from Sonoma State University in the NCAA Division II College World Series. University of Central Missouri baseball play-by-play -play announcer Bob Jackson recounted the story in 2017 on the day Chris Matlock was inducted into the UCM Athletics Hall of Fame. Audio courtesy of University of Central Missouri Athletics. The Mules down 4-3. Chris entered the game in the top of the eighth inning. Mules tied it in the bottom of the eighth. Remember, Chris is the closer, so the Mules were hoping he'd go out for one or two innings and score a run and get the win. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way, though it was no fault of Chris. The game went to extra innings, a lot of extra innings, and Chris stayed out there. He worked nine in the third innings, allowed just three hits, no runs, struck out 13, walked two, and threw 148 pitches. Sonoma State finally won the game 6-5 in 19 innings around 3 o'clock in the morning. As good as Chris's number four in 2008, 11 saves with a school record 33 appearances, they were even better in 2009 as he firmly established himself as the best closer in Division II. He finished the season with a 6-2 record and 
1.19 ERA, 14 saves, 79 strikeouts, and just four walks in 53 innings, and opponents hit just 124 against him. He was the first team All-American, the Division II Relief Pitcher of the Year, the UCM and MIAA career record holder for saves with 25, and the UCM career record holder for fewest hits allowed, fewest runs allowed, and fewest walks allowed. Well, he also holds the UCM and MIAA record for consecutive scoreless innings with 40 and two-thirds. And again, that audio courtesy of University of Central Missouri Athletics. The Mules would go on to be eliminated by Mount Olive. Chris Matlock pitched another year at Central Missouri in 2009, but his team did not return to the College World Series. Matlock graduated and had his degree, but he wasn't headed to the financial sector. He was headed to the stress, uncertainty, and rigors of minor league baseball. So college wraps up, and then you get drafted. Let's talk through that process. Uh, a lot of players I have talked to who have had uh, the fortune of being drafted have said it's a pretty stressful and, and overall bad experience. But what was your draft experience like? Uh, I had talked to probably four different teams that were pretty serious. I really thought I was going to get drafted by the Royals. That was my the one I talked to the most. But, you know, people watch that first day. And if you don't get drafted the first day, it's, it's very disheartening. But, you know, there's tons of other rounds. So the first day I watched it, listened to it, didn't get drafted. And I was like, well, okay. I never turned it back on. I never even knew I got drafted when I got drafted. I was actually headed to Florida to pick up a motorcycle I bought. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the recruiter from the Rangers called me and said, we just drafted you in the 21st round. And I was like, oh, all right, where am I going? <laughs> so that's when I got me a plane ticket to Spokane, Washington for short season. And I was gone pretty fast. So you, you never went to a training site. You just dove straight into low A minors. Yep. Was that the deal? Wow. Basically, uh, it's a short season league up in the Northwest. And it's basically people get drafted because it's halfway through the season already. So they call it short season. So basically everybody that got drafted and it's a couple of rookie people and low A people play up there if they're trying to get a little better. And yeah, so that's where they shot me off to for, I guess it was June. So that was a different experience going all the way up there away from everybody. <laughs> from what I can tell, you know, you're, performance in Spokane was pretty good and you were working as a reliever. Am I right? Yeah, I was a relief pitcher. Um, I had some, some shoulder trouble that had been riddling me since about the mid senior year. So we tried to work that out and it just, as, as my arm just hurt more and more, I just kept doing lower, lower slots, three quarter sidearm, a little more submarine because it didn't hurt as much. So I, I kind of knew my days were limited because I couldn't get it to get any better. So but it was still fun. It was a good time. You know, with that that lower arm slot, I know now in grip and rip, you throw a lot more sliders and a lot more stuff that moves. But, you know, we're, as a pro, you know, how much pressure is on you to still be able to throw a fastball that hums in there pretty well? I mean, all through college, I probably threw more sliders than fastballs. I threw sliders and knuckleballs because they were fun. They struck people out. I think in that Hall of Fame induction video, I think they said I had a 2.1 strikeout per innings. <laughs> Because I mean, I would just throw slider. I could get it for a strike. I could make people swing and miss at it. It was just they called it a Bugs Bunny frisbee. Uh, it's it's hard to hit, but if you could hit it, you could hit it a long way. <laughs> well, then, how much of a weapon is that, or an advantage for you to be able to throw the front door slider, where it looks like it's going to hit a right-handed hitter, but then breaks into the inside part of the zone? 
It, it's good because, I mean, a, a lot of people aren't looking for it first pitch. I'll throw it first pitch. I'll throw it second pitch. I'll throw it full count. I mean, no one's really looking for a slider on the inside full count. So it, it freezes a lot of people. But it, it gets a lot of people to chase if I throw it out too. So, I mean, I could throw it in any count. I would throw it. It just didn't hurt my arm. I mean, a fastball sometimes will hurt because it just my shoulder, I never got it fixed. So it hurts, but it's a little bit easier to throw a slider or a knuckleball. And it's just more fun. <laughs> So after that that season in Spokane, you know, was it ultimately the the shoulder problems that kind of proved to be the end of it for you with the Rangers? Yeah, I went to spring training the next uh, spring. It was going well, and I was out playing. Nolan Ryan has a, a pretty hefty regiment of long toss. Well, sidearm people don't throw long toss very well, so I'm trying to chuck balls about 300 feet, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden it just popped and i said i'm gonna go talk to the trainer and uh yeah we did some stuff and he said yeah you tore your rotator cuff i'm like "Mm, all right so he he talked to uh the pitching coordinator there and they uh said i was done and gave me a plane ticket back to old springfield mill that sounds uh very unceremonious to put it mildly pretty morbid (laughs) yeah so tell me about the adjustment all of a sudden you know like it or not you're you're back at home uh, it, I mean, when you put your heart, soul, life into baseball and someone tells you that you can't play anymore, I mean, I, I was hardcore depressed for a while. I, I didn't know how to do anything else. And then I realized, you know, I had four years of school. I had financial accounting. So I just had to switch tracks and life moves on with you without. So I had to adjust and realize that that dream was over. I am struck by how cold the world of sports can be sometimes. Chris Matlock was down. Seven years later, he was inducted into his college's Hall of Fame. Former University of Central Missouri baseball coach Tom Myers touched on the personality traits and character that Matlock would have to draw from behind the scenes. He just refused. He would not let things get away from him. And that's a that's an attribute, a personality trait that people need to be separate themselves from the pack. And from a baseball standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, it's, it's who he was as a person that's putting where he is today. Again, that audio courtesy of University of Central Missouri Athletics. Life would go on. Chris Matlock took his closer's mentality to work at a credit union in Springfield, Missouri. He didn't touch a baseball again for a few years, but in 2017, he showed up at U.S. Baseball Park in the Grip and Rip Baseball League. He ended up catching on with manager Logan Hughes' Table Rock Lake Monsters, with just enough rotator cuff and determination to be an imposing reliever again. I played that first year, because I was like, ah, we'll go see how it is. Had you done anything baseball-wise? Nope. Oh, wow. It's not in six years, I guess. And uh, I went out and I played catch with a a buddy of mine. And I was like, I mean, it doesn't feel terrible. But, I mean, it hurt the next day. And I was like, "Ah, I'll just go see how it is, you know. See if I can just throw the junk. (laughs) So, you know, I talked to Tony about it. And I told him, I said, I'll come out and try out. You know, if I don't get dragged, if I don't get picked, I I get it. I, I I don't know. But uh, yeah, I got picked and we did, we did pretty good that first year. And then the second year I was going to play, my dad actually passed away that year. So I took that year off. I just, I couldn't do anything. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go back. So I've done the last two years and it's been fun. It's been a heck of a time. Have you uh, developed any, uh, I guess, unlikely friendships over the course of, of that time? 
Well, yeah, I found out Mr. Chandler Veach lives a couple of houses down. <laughs> so he's my my neighbor. So that's it's been it's been fun. I mean, everybody has everyone at the Griffin Room is great. Everyone loves everybody. I don't know what it is about baseball. It brings random people together for a common thing. It's it's definitely a good time. Going in the first year, I had no idea what to expect, but everyone treats you like a friend right off the bat. I mean, people talk to you randomly. Like I'm I'm kind of somewhat introverted. I don't just go randomly, just go up to people and talk to them. There's a lot of people just go up and talk to you and like shoot the shit. And it's good. And I, I like that. I mean, I could talk to you all day about anything. And that's what we do. We, we talk about the most random things in the dugout, <laughs> uh, good and bad, but it's just the old camaraderie of baseball and people trying to do a common thing. It's, it's, it's a good thing. I love it. By virtue of getting yourself a base hit, you're officially a hitter now. Juarez throws him a slider. Matlock reaches out and pokes it. That is in fair territory. It could be trouble. That's down. A collision. Chris Matlock rounding first, going for second. Lopez Rivera scores. It is three to two. Are they scoring that as a hit? Oh, they better. You know, in the spirit of just asking what's next for Chris Matlock, are we going to see you uh, try to get yourself some more at-bats in the future? Uh, I'm pretty sure that if I get drafted this year, then I'm going to make it a rule. I'm going to hit for myself. Because if if I think I'm batting 500, I think I'm like the all-time grip and rip average leader. I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty sure I'm number one. I mean, I guess certain statisticians might argue that there's got to be a minimum number of at-bats or oh, something along that, those lines. But That's erroneous. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. So, I mean, you're, you're saying if you get drafted, like, there's really going to be a question about that. But but really, you know, what kind of role do you, do you see yourself taking on? Do you want to continue to be a five-inning starter? Do you want to go back to being a closer? Do you want to find something in between? I, I like the starting thing just because – it kind of sets it up. I feel like I get to pitch more. I mean, it was nice. I It's tough because I love being a closer. I love finishing the game. But, you know, there's always times where you won't finish a game. As a closer, sometimes you just don't play at all because you don't need to. Uh, so there was a lot of games in college and professional that I never even played in. I like pitching every game, especially when you only play once a week. So I kind of like the starting role. Maybe Tony will wise up and allow some more innings. We'll see. <laughs> It uh, it took a long time to get it up to five. So I mean, I mean, maybe there's we can work on six. But you with with all of the problems you've had with with sh- your shoulder and your rotator cuff in the past. I mean, do you experience discomfort now after all the innings you throw? I mean, the next day it's it's sore, but I mean that's going to be with anything. If I go do anything, I'm sore. I'm 35 years old, so <laughs> I mean I'll I'll wear it. That's fine. I'll sign a waiver. <laughs> So realistically, how much longer would you like to play? How many more seasons are left in that pitching arm? You know, baseball's that thing. If if I can throw it over the plate and somebody will swing and miss, I will throw it as long as I possibly can. Even if I have to go softball style pitch, I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> do you think you could just, you know, be like a, a Dane Schaff and go out there and, and throw knuckleballs into your upper 50s? I, I could probably do it. I mean, most – Sidearm knuckleball is pretty fun. It, it moves around some weird ways, so it's fun to watch. Was that something you had always had, or is that a pitch that developed later in your career? I started messing with it when I was at Longview. I threw it a little bit there. I threw it a little bit more in college. I didn't really throw it in the professionals because it, it's tough to control it. 
And if it's not, if you mess up, it's right down the middle. <laughs> so they get they get kind of mad when you throw a knuckleball and it looks like a change up down the middle and they hit it out of the park. But it's, now it's just more fun, but it works sometimes. <laughs> I would imagine that's really interesting for, you know, whichever catcher you're working with as well, because that's that's certainly not something they will have seen a lot of. It's not. Um, but usually, I mean, I don't throw it in, you know, guys on third with two strikes or anything. So hopefully I'm throwing in smarter situations. It's not going to affect a, a runner changing the base or stuff like that. But if it's a, you know, 0-2 count, there's nobody on, you might see a nook. <laughs> I don't want to speak morbidly. I think you'll go on to continue to have a lengthy career. But, you know, would you ever want to get into coaching or, or being a pitching coach or doing lessons or any of those things that a lot of uh, ex-pros tend to do? I have thought about doing some coaching stuff. And then I go and I see, like, my niece's soccer games. And I used to play soccer, so I, I get – worked up and I get mad and I don't want to get mad. <laughs> so I don't know if I have the uh, self-control to be a coach. I feel like if you just want to ask me for some tips or something, I'll help you with that. But I don't think I can be a coach. <laughs> it takes a different breed to be a coach. I've, I've learned that it is hard. It is very hard. <laughs> Being an uncle is pretty cool though, right? I have a niece and nephews and they're a lot of fun to play with. And I get to give them back at the end of the day. Exactly. It's, it's definitely its own amazingness. I can get them riled up. I can spoil them. And then I can say, hey, sister, you have to take your kids home. And, I mean, it, it's great. It's just a continuation of family. And family's real big for me. So mm -hmm. that's kind of why I've stayed around here. So, yeah. It's, oh, I forgot about this. You're, you're the proud owner of a new boat now. Am I right? Uh, yeah. I uh, splurged and, and bought a different boat this year. And uh, I sold my old one that I'd had for eight years. So I got a little bit different boat. And now I go to the lake almost every Maybe twice a week now. <laughs> is it true that the first trip out on the boat is the happiest trip on the boat? Yeah, there's two There's two best times when you're on a boat. It's when you buy it, when you sell it. But yeah, when you go out the first time, the first time of mine wasn't the greatest. I'd never owned a jet boat before, so I learned some bad things real quick that you had to do or not do. So that was a very interesting experience when it's 90 degrees outside and you're sweating trying to pull ropes out of impellers and stuff. So that's always fun. <laughs> so never had to worry about that before. I always had a, pro or a prop. So you just learn, you live and you learn every day. <laughs> Living and learning every day is a pretty good approach. Chris Matlock's career will live on in season six of the Grip and Rip Baseball League, which begins Friday, August 13th, when the Ozark Mountain Ducks face off against the Springfield Metropolitans. Opening weekend continues Sunday, August 15th, with a doubleheader that starts at noon, with the Moon City Mavericks taking on the Nixa Suckers, followed by the Branson Showmen and the Republic Locos. If you can't make it to U.S. Baseball Park, don't miss a minute of the action. Follow your favorite team all season long at bgrbl.com. There will be more than 80 other players just like Chris Matlock playing on that opening weekend. And while not all of them are former Major League Baseball draft picks, all of them will capitalize on baseball's ultimate second chance, the Grip and Rip Baseball League. Thanks again to Chris Matlock, and thanks again to his Springfield Metropolitan's teammate and pitching pal Chandler Veet at Veet Relacing. Until next time, I'm Rance Berger. Good night from Ozark, Missouri. <laughs>